2: And today is the 12th day of May, 2021. We're continuing on with part two of Holy Priesthood, volume four. It'll be chapter 13. Forgot to put that in the title. I'll have to fix that later. Anyway, Kim will be reading tonight. I'm at the mine again. I'm actually in the exact same place I was yesterday when we started this show. Like, what the heck? (laughs) Anyway, Kim, are you there? Hello, yep. Kim. There you are. I'm
3: here. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: <laughs> well, uh, you got it all pulled up and everything?
3: Um. So I just unmuted me. So when I unmute me, I have to go back in. <laughs> so I will have it back pulled up uh. in just a second again.
2: <laughs> okay, the guest call-in number is 917-889-8827, and there is a chat room available online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash fundamentallymormon. Oh, you put it
3: uh, on here, too. That's pretty good. Good idea. What's that? You put the put phone it, number it on, on here, too.
2: Oh, uh, on yeah, the, On the, Yeah, so
3: that was a good idea.
2: Are you still there? Uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah, hold on.
3: Are you fixing
2: it? Yeah, this guy's pulled up in the number one loadout. And he's pulled up in such a way that I can't see my lights to see if I can load or not. Because there's positioning, oh, like to the mind. Oh, anyway. All right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So on, on Facebook.com forward slash lazurus1977, uh, I posted the text to tonight's reading, along with the phone number and the link to where the chat room is and the radio show and all of that. And uh yeah, it's all on there and I'll post that every day and then uh it, tomorrow sometime I'll uh disperse it between all the different groups and the web uh the pages and everything that I'm on. So So anyway, yeah. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna mute myself when I'm up here at the mine 'cause these people are ridiculous. Love you.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Love you too and they will keep on talking and talking about things that we don't know about, and we will only halfway be able to hear them. (laughs) Okay, so I'm going to get right into the reading. King Philip of Hesse, Part 2 of Holy Priesthood, Volume 4. Oh, hold on one second. I need my charger. Yeah, thank you. Okay, resuming. See, I'm gonna start right here. The three powerhouses that ramrodded the Reformation were Luther, Melanchthon, and Bucer. The latter being an eminent theologian, friend, and advisor to King Philip, the Landgrave. Bucer was utterly horrified. When he learned that his good friend Philip, who was one of the most important defenses of the Reformation, was about to commit bigamy, Busser rushed to Philip's castle at Melsingen. Sorry, I just had something pop up in front of the screen. Now I have to scroll down. In an attempt to dissuade the prince from a terrible mistake, Busser listened to Philip's arguments, the main one being his desire for a son to inherit the throne, and had scriptural references to justify it. Philip further stated that if the reformers wouldn't assist him, he would turn to Catholic Emperor, or turn to the Catholic Emperor. Luther was stunned and took the problem to Luther. This was a matter that would take more than a day for the leading reformers to solve. Um, Melon Hassan argued that uh, if polygamy were allowed, the enemies of the Reformation would lump them in with the Turks, Orientals, and Arabs. It was obvious that if, the, if they decided in favor of Philip's request, the marriage would have to be a complete secret, which was the plan proposed. Um, I know you're still at the mine But we are at the next page uh, So just giving you the opportunity to speak If you wanted to Uh,
2: Thanks I don't have anything to say right now
3: Okay So in December 1539 Polygamy was again to be lived within The boundaries of Germany The Protestant leaders had made their Wittenberg deliberation For the sanction of plural marriage Even if it was to be a secret Philip's wife Anna had given her consent, but with a long list of stipulations, the new bride, Marguerite, was less informed of the wedding arrangements than her mother. Yet she seemed happy with the prospects of her future. The wedding would occur March 4, 1540, in Rothenburg. Bucer and (laughs) Melanchthon arrived for the ceremony. Philip issued an address to be read at, the time, at that time, part of which was stated, this comes from after polygamy was made a sin, Carncross, page 39, quote, that this step is not decreed as capricious or frivolous, and no offense be caused hereby, and the good name of the said maid and her honorable relatives be not jeopardized. His Highness swears before God that it is motivated by important and unavoidable considerations of conscience and body, and that it is impossible for him to be saved unless he takes a second wife in addition to his first one, end quote. Again, that's after polygamy was made a sin, Carncross, page 39. The ceremony was a joyous one for Philip, and he said he did it with God and a good conscience. Through his marriage to Marguerite, Philip was overjoyed to learn that he was now a brother-in-law to Martin Luther. Nonetheless, Luther's concern was that the marriage be kept secret because of the bad example it might set for others. Philip agreed and afterwards said, The marriage was a quiet one since in our times it is unusual to have two wives at the same time, although in the present case it is licit and Christian. That is also from After Polygamy Was Made a Sin by Carncross, page 39. Uh, And this is the next page if you wanted to say anything here.
2: I'm good. Thank you for asking. Did you hear me?
3: You're welcome. Shortly after this event, however, the court preacher, Melander, proclaimed plural marriage as a true and acceptable principle of the Bible. That should have been enough to let Philip off the hook, but rumors still spread about him when Marguerite had a new res- residence built for her. Eventually, through pressure on witnesses, the truth came out. Even a document by Booster, or yeah, Booser for and against polygamy was discovered, which added more public awareness of the doctrine. Fingers were pointed at Luther, who supported polygamy as a moral and biblical doctrine, but its practice bothered him for fear it would backfire against the Reformation. Luther's friend, Melanchthon, also felt the effects of the public pressure and began to suffer the monstrous danger and scandal that fell upon him. For days, he couldn't eat or drink anything, so Luther went out to bolster him up. One wonders how Melanchthon, Melankison, I can't say that name It's ridiculous It's Melan and then it's C-H-T-H-O-N So saying Chipson Is kind of, or Chipson Is just like strange for my mouth I guess Melanchthon Would have re- reacted If it had been his own polygamous marriage Now Only about five years after the Munster episode, polygamy was again The subject of debate and Consternation all over Germany As rumors of polygamy spread among the Germans, there were mixed reactions, laughter, anger, hatred, and even some support, as a few deemed it a practical solution to a serious problem. To Prince Philip, it was right in God's eyes and should be defended, regardless of the cost. He was prepared to stand by his convictions and lose his throne or his life if necessary. Booster suggested that Philip's marriage contract be revised to read that he had taken a concubine but would treat her as a wife. Even the powerful Luther seemed to quail sooner than Philip, who wrote strong letters of defense for his faith and belief in his plural marriage. He assembled all of his notables together to convince them of his stand, saying that anyone should have the right to have a plural wife if they so desired. That is so ridiculous because they're like, it's okay if you have a a mistress or somebody else that you're sleeping around with. But as soon as you marry them and make them legit, everybody gets all in an uproar. And, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah, that's the way it is in the Christian world. Yeah. You know, like uh, these politicians that freak out about polygamy back in Congress, you know, they can do whatever they want. Nobody bats an eye. But as soon as somebody wants to marry, because they believe in a religious uh, function of plural celestial marriage, all oh, that's a horrible thing. we've got to stop them from doing. That. And uh, in Daniel, Daniel chapter seven, Daniel saw these last days where the, the beast would grind the, the saints and wear out the saints so of the Most high. And that's what's going on right now, prophecy fulfilled.
3: Yeah, that's ridiculous. more know, than I, just that.
2: It's, it's more than just polygamy. They won't let us live the United Order. You know, they yeah. won't let us have the Council of 50. Like, there's a bunch of things that they, like, freak out and pass laws against, you know. Mm-hmm. So, whatever. That's, that's Satan's kingdom for you, which we're not supposed yep. to be part of. But uh, nobody wants to leave it for some reason.
3: Yep. Anyway, Philip and Luther finally met head-on and thrashed it out for a period of four days. Luther was not denying its justification before God, only before the eyes of the world. Luther thought a public defense of polygamy would destroy the Protestant cause, but if he said the deliberation were published, he would take all the blame. How strange that even then, as now, mistresses, concubines, illegitimate children, and fornications for acceptable moral behavior before the legality of plural wives. See, they even said it. (laughs) Um, Continuing on, the Protestants backed away from Philip because of his plural marriage, so he withdrew from them and changed the balance of power in favor of the Catholic emperor. This change in support gave the Catholic pamphleteers ample opportunity to refute both Philip's marriages and the Protestant cause as religious mockery before God. Philip then turned to his chief theologian Lenning, who issued pamphlets and briefs in defense of plural marriage, especially his dialogus neo, neo Blue, or neo Bully, which was a dialogue between a supporter and an opponent and an opponent of polygamy. His summary was that polygamy was not contrary to divine, natural, con- con- canonical, or imperial law. The manuscript was given to Bosser or Booster for comments, he added a few corrections, but still tried to prevent Philip from publishing it. Philip continued to chide the reformers for their faint-heartedness and wrote to Melon Casson. <clears throat> he wrote, um, this is from the same text, page 47, if we, you, Luther, and others suffer death, yet there will be found people who are more godly and trusting then we who will accept this solution, which is not forbidden by God and is free and permissible. End quote. Hold on one second. I have a child who cannot figure out what the directions were. I'm asking you to bring that big white table up there. Yes. Okay. I'm just and all the of part. the stuff. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <clears throat> now we're on the next. Hey, uh... did you have anything to say? <laughs>
2: The boy, so my wife is sitting in, in our driveway, in her car, <laughs> watching the kid do the thing that he's supposed to do, putting trash in the dumpster. Hey, you want to hear mm-hmm. something cool? Absolutely. My truck is at 444,902 miles. Next week uh-huh. around Tuesday or Wednesday, it's gonna be at one hundred and fifty. No. Yeah, one hundred and fifty thousand. Well, no, that's not right.
0: Okay, <laughs> I think I got my
2: numbers off. But I'm a little jealous right. because Kim Kim knows that I like numbers and I'm ridiculous. But my co driver got to look at the odometer when it was Four hundred and forty four thousand four hundred and forty four and I am jealous <laughs> anyway, I'll mute myself. <laughs>
3: You're ridiculous, okay, so you didn't have anything to say about all that I just read
2: <laughs> uh I was distracted by numbers. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I think that's funny because I'm the one who's usually distracted. Okay. (laughs) Luther and Philip eventually patched up their differences and together pushed the Protestant cause once again. When someone said that Abraham was not a Christian because he lived polygamy, Luther shot back that he was the first Christian and he was more important than all the popes put together. Luther stated that he could not forbid such marriages, but he would not advise them either. He supported the idea that it was a matter that should be directed from God to the individual. He also declared that many polygamists were members of the early Christian church. That's super interesting because I feel like the same way. Like, I am not, like, pro or con polygamy, um, but I'm like, if you are living polygamy, then it should have been from God, you know, to you and the individuals involved. It should have all been you know done that well, way Well revelation
2: We don't believe in yeah. cultural polygamy We believe that it should only be lived If you got revelation And not only you But your uh, your spouse And the person that you're inviting Into the family or If you have multiple spouses You know that that should all be Like you know You should get revelation You shouldn't just be living it Because oh that sounds like a good idea Like so many of these stupid, I'm sorry if I offend anybody, stupid 20-something-year-old kids that come into fundamentalism because they want to live polygamy. Like, why don't they want to live the United Order? Why don't they want to do anything else? All they want is polygamy. That is the wrong reason to be a fundamentalist. If that's the only reason you're a fundamentalist, get out. We don't want you. Are you done? For a minute. Where did
3: we lose you? Oh. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know, it just went blank. Did we lose you? <laughs> no, I'm
2: climbing Barrow Hill, and it kind of cuts out right here in this little car. Oh. Okay. I'm currently going 19 miles an hour.
3: You speed demon.
2: <laughs> I know. I should have hit this a little faster.
3: <laughs> but you weren't paying attention because you were outraged.
2: <laughs> yeah, now I got some dip passing me going like 22 miles an hour.
3: Uh, is it this another is a truck or a car?
2: It's a pickup
3: truck pulling a trailer. Hmm. So he can't really get up and go either.
2: Yeah, but when you're going 19 and 22 miles an hour, respectively, whatever, just wait till you get to the top of the hill before you pass, especially on this road. I'm on Highway 6 that goes between Provo and Green River, down to Moab. and yeah, this is a very high-traffic road, and us coal trucks are – I'm um, about 100 – I'm about 64 tons altogether. 64, 65 Mm -hmm. tons. So, uh, you know, I can only go so fast. I'm trying now.
3: (laughs) Okay, back to the reading. (laughs) Luther and Melling Kassan both agreed with Luther and said that plural marriages should not be denied to Christians in modern times. Luther even wrote an extensive book supporting polygamy, which was never published until nearly 300 years later. He concluded that a Christian could live plural marriage, and it should be left to his own individual conscience. Luther's problems with the Prince Philip of Hesse should have been enough to last a lifetime, but that was not the end of it. The scene extended clear to the King of England. And then this is another section that says King Henry of England. King Henry of England, 1491 to 1547, <laughs> was married to Catherine of Aragon, grandmommy, <laughs> who bore him several children, but only one daughter survived. She would become the future queen, Mary, unless the king had a son. Bloody Mary. Be... Sorry,
2: Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. Is that a thing? My great-grand Grammy. Yeah, that's where Bloody Mary comes from. She was uh, a lunatic nutcase. Yeah. yeah.
3: Do tell, because now I'm curious.
2: Oh, you'll learn about her in a minute.
3: Okay. It talks about her here? Okay. <laughs> um. Let's see, unless the king had a son, the country could be torn between the armies of rival claimants, or it might be a reason for invasion by some foreign contender. In 1526, at the age of 35, Henry looked seriously at a 19-year-old girl named Anne Bolin, presented the problem of getting Pope Clement VII to issue a divorce from Catherine, which was not very likely. Firstly, the Pope would say it was theologically wrong. And secondly, Catherine was an aunt of Emperor Charles V, who had previously sacked and captured the holy city of Rome. In July 1528, Henry sought to have an annulment case tried in English courts. The result was for Rome to make the final decision. Since that failed, he then sought the possibility of a bigamist marriage. I think that's too ridiculous to have all of those people involved, just saying. In September, the Pope, strangely enough, relayed by secret message that it was in his jurisdiction to favor Henry's request for two wives. However, the Pope's advisors did not agree. The king then went to a noted theologian and scholar named Cardinal K. Jetten, who was inclined to give permission for polygamy rather than have the king guilty of divorce or some other infraction of moral principle. Uh, Kijetan declared that polygamy was not forbidden by natural or divine law Because all the marriages of the prophets and patriarchs were legitimate He also noted that it was not forbidden in the New Testament And in Matthew 19, 9, forbade divorce, not polygamy He further stated that there is no law in the Bible commanding men to have only one wife The Cardinal's views did not set right with his colleagues Who thought they were just filthy teachings Yet some of the theologians agreed with him. The king then sought the help of Protestant leaders for theological advice on this marriage, or the marriage arrangement, since it had been lived and recorded in the Bible. Um, Now we're on page 160. Did you have anything to say about this so far?
2: I think that it's disgusting that people's opinions resulted in so much bloodshed death in the, the future history of these people, and that, that some ignorant man who somehow became a pope didn't understand the scriptures, and, you know, and all these cardinals, and all, it's all about political office and power. That's all yeah. that this is about, and it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And I hope they all burn in hell for what they've done. Because they, they are the reason why so much war and death, because of their stupid, in, ignorant opinions, you know, over, over the period of years, wars have come out because of these ignorant people, and, and they're disgusting
3: I think it's gross because a marriage is between a man and a wife and God. It shouldn't be all this political stuff allowing whether or not these people can be married. It's all political.
2: Yeah, it's supposed to be a religious institution, not a political power grab or whatever.
3: Yeah, and basically they are petitioning all of these other old men to see whether or not it's okay with all these men that these two people can procreate and have kids together.
2: Okay, there's another thing, too. Remember yesterday when they, they decided to drain the pond, the fish pond by the, the nun coven or whatever, yeah. and there were thousands yeah, the of grounded babies. babies in there? Those babies are the yeah. result of priests sleeping with the nuns. Basically religious whorehouses. Now, they can do all that behind closed doors and be all secret about it. But if somebody wants to live plural celestial marriage and actually be married to the person that they're with, oh, hell no. You can't have that. Oh, they're going to, they're going to, oh, that's disgusting. Well, behind closed doors, they're doing this. I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm just going to mute myself because I just want to swear right now because they make me so angry. These religious hypocrites.
3: Yeah. And who are they to decide? They tried to decide who's going to live and die and do whatever. And all of those dead babies that had no choice. Yeah, and they're supposed to be religious and have God. Anyway. Yeah, but they're not. they, They take religion...
2: Because they're sons and daughters of Satan himself, and they use it to to do uh, things which are abominable in the sight of God. Mm -hmm. It's a power power system. It's disgusting. And I'm so glad that people like uh, Martin Luther and John Calvin and Tyndale and all these people rose up and fought against this, this disgusting whore. And they are a whore. Anybody who goes chasing off after Babylon the Great when they're supposed to be the bride of Christ is a whore. I don't care what church they're in. That's why the LDS Church is a whore. That's why the Catholic Church is a whore. They're whores. They're supposed to be the bride of Christ living God's laws, but they go chasing off after Babylon the Great. That's why they're called the Great Whore because that's all they
3: are. Okay. Sorry, while you were doing that, I was having glitches on my phone, and um, I'm going right back into where I was, but uh, you talked for the right amount of time. Anyways, by 1530, the issue had become a serious matter with the Pope, who wanted to sanction polygamy for Henry, but it was too radical for his hierarchy to accept. As theological doctrine, it could be resolved, but in practice, it was poison. Divorce? from a first wife, was easier than marriage to a second. Catholic missionaries had caused more trouble by breaking up plural marriages among the heathens, Con- or converts, than if they had just accepted them. In some places, the Catholic missionaries were rejected because they did not accept plural marriages, i.e., this is from after polygamy was made, a thin Carncross, page 61, quote, according to the French missionary, Alexander of Rhodes, Writing in the middle of the 17th century, the king of Cochin Cochin, forbade the preaching of the gospel in this score. You want my subjects to have only one wife, he told them, but I want them to have several, so that they can produce sons who will be my faithful subjects. Cease then to preach so so uh, pernicious a doctrine, and he promptly expelled the offending missionaries. End quote. That was after polygamy was made a sin, Parncraft, page 61. Back in 1521, King Henry had written a rebuttal against Martin Luther for his attack on the seven sacraments of Catholic religion, which the king called defense of the seven sacraments. In, in it, he called Luther a poisonous serpent and a wolf of hell, which pleased the Pope so much that he called Henry the defender of the faith. But faith plays strange tricks. In a few years, Henry would be relying on the words of Luther, which would change his life and his kingdom. <clears throat> In January 1533, the king secretly married Anne Boleyn. On May 23rd, 1533, a secret sentence was effected to nullify the king's first marriage and to sanction Anne Boleyn as the new queen. Word was sent to Catherine that she was no longer queen and must bear the name of Princess Dowager. But... She refused to submit to such a degradation. This news brought a sentence of excommunication from the Pope against Henry on July 11th, but he was given until September to set himself all right by taking back his wife and putting away Anne Bolin. But about this time, the English Parliament was in the process of passing an act of succession in favor of Anne Bolin. In September, con- September, contrary to the astrologer's forecast for a son, Anne gave birth to a girl, Elizabeth. The Pope was consigned to carry out the king's excommunication. All of this created a new national church for England. Henry was king, but he could not formulate doctrine of the church, nor could he appoint officers therein. The Archbishop of Canterbury, Thomas Cranmer became the highest office holder in the church in England. Orders were sent out to arrest preachers who still maintained the Pope's authority. The king's subjects were required to swear to the act of succession, and those who refused were sent to the tower. Sir Thomas More and Bishop Fisher, with six other priests, were among the first to be imprisoned. They were warned that they must swear to the succession and supremacy of the king and were given <laughs> sorry, excuse me, six weeks to do so. <coughs> Fisher denied that the king was supreme head of the Church of England Moore said he would not meddle with such questions Fisher was condemned on June 17th And was beheaded on Tower Hill on the 22nd On July 1st, Moore was brought up for trial on a complex indictment One article of which showed that he did not like Fisher expressly repudiate the king's ecclesiastical supremacy, but only kept silence when questioned about it. He made as he made as might be expected an admirable defence, but in vain. And after his condemnation, he declared frankly as to the statute that it was against his conscience, as he could never find in all his studies that a temporal lord ought to be head of the spiritual. He was sentenced to undergo a traitor's death at Tyburn. But it was commuted by the <clears throat> i'm sorry, it was commuted by the king to a simple decapitation on tower Hill, which he suffered on july sixth That's from cambridge modern history cambridge university volume two page four forty three The story of Moore's death sent a shock throughout the empire. He was a man of high legal ability, intellectually gifted, possessed wit and humor, and was not persuaded by emotion or deception. His learning was entirely without uh, pedantry, even as his humor was without gall. He loved men, he loved animals, he loved mechanism, and every influence that tended to humanize or advance society. He had served his king in diplomatic missions with an ability that was fully appreciated and as Lord Chancellor with an integrity (coughs) that was noted as altogether exceptional. But his very probity had made him at last an obstacle in the king's path, and he was sacrificed. (coughs) That was from After Polygamy Was Made a Sin, Carn Cross, page 444. (coughs) Did you have anything that you wanted to add?
2: Um, Just some parallelism between the LDS Church and the Catholic Church. So this is a worldwide radio program. I have people from all over the world who message me on Messenger and try to talk to me. And I've got a ton of followers in Pakistan in India, um, but also in uh, different places in Africa and China. And some of these people, they know that Joseph Smith is a true prophet. They have not had the missionaries teach them because they have multiple wives. And the missionaries will not teach them or baptize them because they're polygamists. They were polygamists before, and it's perfectly legal in their country. They were polygamists before they ever knew about Joseph Smith but the church won't baptize them because they're polygamous and they want them to get rid of their wives, which there's more against divorce in the scriptures than there is against polygamy. Oh, because there is nothing against polygamy in the Bible other than multiplying wives, and all that is is having way, way, way too many wives because you cannot keep the baseline Torah law uh, if you're multiplying wives Like Solomon or David did So um, You know and the church claims to have The only authority on the earth to baptize These poor individuals So they won't even get They can't even get baptized Just like in the Catholic church They go on a missionary with these people Who are polygamous And then they make them choose You know well which wife are you going to keep Because you got to get rid of the other one And send them back in you know, send your kids pass send your uh, your white pass. How oh, the S Church does too. They're just as disgusting um, you were up just as the Catholic. Okay, I know. I'm in, I'm in the cup by Wellington.
3: Oh, okay. I was just letting you know.
2: But it's the same, it's the same uh, road of apostasy, the same road of apostasy as what, why we needed a, uh, a restoration of priesthood and all of that. Now, luckily, we know because John the Baptist, when he gave priesthood to Joseph Smith, this priesthood will not be taken off the earth until the sons of Levi do offer an offering in righteousness. The sons of Levi are the two witnesses who offer their lives as an offering in righteousness who are put to death in the street for three days and three nights. And then when they are taken off the earth, when they're resurrected, and all they who followed those two prophets (coughs) are taken up off the earth, there will be no more priesthood on the earth. So we're not going into such a great apostasy as what happened with the Catholic Church, but we know that Jesus said... In section 85, I will send one mighty and strong to set the house of God in order, implying it would get out of order, which it has, because they have, they have changed the ordinances, they've changed the gospel, and, and they're just doing what they want to do, you know, and it's apostasy, and it's wicked in the extreme. It's actually the very definition of iniquity, is where God lays out your path to follow, like you do with the Doctrine and Covenants, and then you don't follow it. You do something different, and you make up excuses as to why, oh, that was for another people. We don't have to worry about any of that. Oh, somebody will do that in the future. Paul, God has never abrogated nor done away with any of his laws, and no manifesto, which is not a revelation from God, changed the actual law. You're not off the hook just because you make excuses. All you are doing is being an iniquitous whore of Babylon. That's all you're doing, and you need to repent if you're doing that. Anyway, I'll mute myself.
3: About this time, the Archbishop went to interrogate Elizabeth Barton, called the nun of Canterbury, who professed she had received visions of fearful warnings to the king for his marrying Anne Bolin. Some supposed she was encouraged by Catherine's friends. Her pronouncement of doom backfired, however, because she was sent to a prison with six others for treason and was later executed. The celibate monks did more for mischief than they did missionary work. They traversed nearly every area to gather ties for themselves. It was up to King Henry to determine what their fate would be. Monks in England were neither popular nor devout. One author called them four unhappy lepers who despoiled poor wives of the tenth egg <clears throat> their lack of dedication to their calling was evident 1536 in 1536 when henry suppressed the smaller monasteries that's from church history in plain language bruce shelley page 285 <clears throat> king henry was an an enigma His life was filled with loose associations with women, even some who bore children, yet he became one of the strongest advocates for plural marriage. He issued strong appeals to both Catholic Pope and Protestant leaders and gave his full approval to whomever would acknowledge and sustain polygamy. In January, Catherine of Aragon died, and when Henry heard the news, he exclaimed, "'God be praised. We are now free from fear of war.'" If Catherine had lived, history may have been very different. The court and Anne Boleyn wore yellow in mourning for Catherine, but it was not long until Anne herself would also be mourned, for she was apprehended and charged with acts of adultery. She protested her innocence, but did acknowledge some familiarities, whatever that meant. She was taken to the Tower, where she, her brother, and four supposed paramours were beheaded. King Henry did not mourn long for the next day. He married Jane of Seymour. Henry was a hero to many people and a scum to many others. It makes one wonder if he does polygamy any good to have someone, it does polygamy any good to have someone like King Henry as a supporter. The Bible was considered so sacred at this time that the British commoners were not allowed to have one. The Catholic hierarchy felt they were the only ones that could interpret it anyways. <clears throat> An Englishman by the name of William Tyndale, however, saw that the need or saw the need for it to be in the hands of all Englishmen and once said to a Catholic priest, If God spares my life before many years pass, I will make it possible for a boy behind the plow to know more scripture than you do. Um, That's from Church History in Plain Language, B.L. Shelley, page 286. He labored with much difficulty to accomplish that goal and went abroad and printed for importation into England a translation he had made of the New Testament, not from the Latin Vulgate, like Wycliffe, but from the original Greek text. It was smuggled into England and found no lack of purchasers who were obliged to keep it in secrecy, but every effort was used to put it down. That's from Cambridge Modern History, Volume 2, page 464 to 465. He lived to see much of his goal accomplished, but since it was against the law, he was caught, imprisoned, and then burned at the stake. His last words were, Lord, open the king of England's eyes, which in a short time actually happened, Henry, by the request of Thomas Cramer, whom Henry had made his his local pope, was authorized to put together Tyndale's other versions of the Bible resulting in the Great Bible, which was ordered to be available in every church in England. Tyndale's prayer had at last been answered. There is an ironic twist in this whole story. After the death of Henry, his only son, the frail 10-year-old son by Jane, his third wife, came to the throne, his advisors helped him lead the nation into accepting Protestant doctrines. He allowed priests to marry. Cramer's Book of Common Prayer replaced Catholic Latin prayers. And Cramer's 42 articles were issued, which defined the the religion of the Church of England. This all stopped when the young king died and Mary, the daughter of Catherine, Henry's first wife, became queen. She returned the empire to Catholicism as the state church. She repealed Archbishop Cranmer's works and sent him to be burned at the stake. In four years, she sent nearly 300 leading Protestants to their death. Their fate is recorded in John Fox's Book of Martyrs. She soon receives a name known to every historian and spoken in every barroom: Bloody Mary. At last, it finally comes to light. And you're related to that woman? Anyway.
2: Unfortunately.
3: After her her death, Elizabeth I came to the throne. She was the daughter of Anne Bolin, Henry's second wife. This little red-headed, fiery-tempered lady worked extremely hard, and again, the empire was turned another way. This time, it was headed in a neutral direction with religious peace and toleration. King Henry certainly added an interesting twist of fate into English history with his strange plural marriages and their divergent offspring. Whatever honor and glory, despute or disgrace that was attributed or attributed, sorry, to the Great Church of England, it should be remembered that it was started by a polygamist. And that's the end.
2: <laughs> yeah, um, I didn't want to give you too much. I figured if we could keep it within an hour, that that would be... I
3: appreciate that because I am so busy. So usually when you get onto your radio shows, you talk about what's going on today and stuff. And I don't know, like when you do other radio shows, people talk about that stuff. And we do have commentary. A lot of people know that we have kids and a farm and family and that we work and stuff. So today, my thing is that I was on the phone so I left work and I have been on the phone ever since all this whole time with people who needed money from me (laughs) because I was hospitalized for a while and we are still paying that off and then um, from my son broke a phone or I don't they said originally he did not break the phone that it malfunctioned and then they're saying that they won't pay for it. Anyway, so I was on the phone. Yeah, when, we have uh, insurance on it. So we, yeah.
2: Yeah, we, we have insurance much, so on it. And matters. they're supposed to pay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you stuff on your phone and break, oh, we'll replace it. But somehow my son, who has Asperger's, who's a big idiot, who's a lovable idiot, <laughs> so he's got no common sense, he broke stuff. Boy, that's, that's why we got insurance but they're like, oh, well, insurance doesn't cover this, you know. But luckily, don't say the name of the cell phone company that we use, Kim.
3: I won't. I won't.
2: Because you but know anyways, what happens the company, when they find out.
3: I do. Yeah, then we get shut uh-huh. down. Okay, so the company that we use is awesome. So the product that we use is not from the company. The company sells that product. And that store... Did not do anything they wanted to charge us more than what we bought the phone for to fix the phone, though originally it was supposedly covered under the warranty. However, when I was on the phone with both companies because my advocate or from our um, our phone carrier um, and this other place who sells the phone, anyway, we're both on the phone. And when one of them said, well, we're going to charge you this much money to fix it, then the phone carrier person, or no, then our um, advocate person said, okay, um, that's fine. And he said that they were going to replace the phone free of charge instead of trying to go through the third party. Because we do pay every month for insurance to be on these because we can't afford to buy new phones all the time or even at all. So uh, the phone that we are getting replaced was actually um, Mark's phone originally, and um, when he needed more storage so he could do the radio show, because believe it or not, it's expensive to put out messages every single month, Um, and he needed more storage so that he could, um, you know, have all of this stuff ready and and, uh, be able to, transfer different trials in different places and it's a whole bunch of stuff involved anyway so we switched his old phone and gave it to our son um and we got him one that was capable of helping him to do this program that he does right now anyways and so that phone that we gave to our son is the one that had a malfunction in the problem with the charging port of it anyways the phone company that we use even though we were told no from the other company the the uh carrier is replacing the phone free of charge which is a real real uh blessing to us because we don't have the money to replace the phone and um it's a blessing because it is less stress than, uh, for me Um, especially when we need to get a hold of our older son because he does have Asperger's and he does require a lot of inattention and um, so does our other daughter um, who has Asperger's and ADHD. And so having these things so that I can help calm them down or reassure them, help them to feel like I'm always on their side and in their court, you know, uh, there, it's a blessing to us to be able to have these. So I am super thankful for that. But I was on the phone and still am right now <laughs> um, ever since I left work today and um, got home. So, you know, it's a lot. If I'm on here right now, I'm actually blessed because our, our two other daughters are um, going to church tonight. They go to a Wednesday night church activity um, where they can learn Bible scriptures, Bible Um, stories and um, stuff that's meant for children, which is really nice for them to do. And while I get a break from them um, because they uh, need a lot of attention also, which I love to give them, but then it helps me to be able to focus on other things like this radio show um, and also my other two kids who, uh, you know, need help with homework and they need help with – chores and what they have to do next so it is um really just a lot of time i think that if somebody could put time in a bottle and sell it i would want to own all of the time they could sell because my time is so over um it's overused but it's um constant all the time i'm always needing more time i don't need
2: 36 We both need 36-hour days.
3: (laughs) Yeah. It would be so much more helpful because the the time that I would like to spend on these things, there's so many more things I would love to do, but I just don't have the time to do it, to learn more, to study more um, on many different things, so not just uh, scriptures, history, um, or anything, but also uh, with what I do with education. I love to be able to find out how to help um, children learn, how to help full to learn in general. I love to learn about that stuff because I like to make it easier for other people. I know when I was going through school, it was difficult for me to learn um, a lot of things. There there are so many things that stand in the way. And even right now with um, Mark and I, uh, for me, um, I have a hard time with just Having time and staying focused on one thing because, like, as you can tell when I talk, I talk about a million things all in a circle. makes it hard to follow sometimes even. But um, I just need the time to be able to spend on, you know, the one thing, on just one thing at a time to be able to do it. And I just can't. It's just difficult. So I understand that, especially – Some people will be listening to this or they'll listen to it later when they have time to listen to it. And um, I just want you guys to know all of the listening audience that we are so there too. We're regular people who are trying to do the best with what we have and we're trying to help other people. And I get it. Like some days it doesn't work out. Some days things happen and it's just too much on your plate. We've had times where this thing has hung up on us. It's, it's re changed a million times while we were trying to talk and trying to do stuff. Then the connectivity doesn't work and things reset itself. And it's ridiculous because it works any other time other than when we're here. So I get it. Sometimes it just doesn't work, but hopefully um, if we just stay um, consistent and try and keep trying and trying, then, you know, God meets us halfway and he tries to help us to do and say the things that we need to do. And, um, so that we can, you know, just think about the better days. We're gonna have better days. There will be ups and downs. There's trials, and that's how we learn. So, um, I just am sympathizing out there with the audience who sometimes can't. You just feel like you don't have the time. You don't have the funds. You have not the money. You don't have the um, the support. Uh, we go through that too. Everybody does, and we kind of. Um, try to just band together. That's why it's better if everybody gathers together in the same place, because then we can help each other out even more. It's just easier um, when, you know, light, more hands make light work. And so the more people that help and and contribute to the teaching of one another, to edifying each other and um, helping to bring each other up, it, you know, It just makes it better for everybody. So we're trying to, and, you know, we struggle through it. I'm sure that other people listening struggle through it also. And eventually if you feel the call and you feel like God's uh, speaking to your heart and you want to gather to the area, um, and we can all work together to make things better and just make life a little bit lighter for everybody, at least that's our goal. That's my goal. I don't know if you're still there, if you can Uh, hear me.
2: Yeah, I'm just sitting oh, yeah. here. This guy that was behind me, I thought I was jumping on the ground. And he flipping drove around me, and now he's sitting on the grizz, getting unloaded when I was first. Jerk. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're supposed to be gathering. We're supposed to be doing united orders. You know, we're supposed to be living the gospel as a people. God never rescinded the gathering of Israel. You know, and Isaiah saw that the remnant would be in the highways of the top of the mountains and in the desert places, which is no description of Missouri for all of those people that are like, we should go to the center place. No, you shouldn't. The church was rejected in Nauvoo, which is the cornerstone of Zion. Isaiah saw the remnant that God led with the Davidic servant, the last days prophet, in... The Rocky Mountains and in the desert places of the Rocky Mountains, which is exactly where the gathering is today. So anyway, um, we don't have any guest callers, and I've got to get out and uh, do the whole dumping my coal. And the worst grizz ever, a grizz is where you pull over, so I drive belly dumps for everybody that doesn't know, they load the coal into the top of the trailers. And when I get to where I'm going, there's big gates on the bottom and they open up and it drops down onto a conveyor belt and unloads me or I can just dump on the ground. But uh, anyway, so that's what I'm doing right now. I'm getting ready to dump. So uh, is there anything else that you wanted to say before we close out the program for today?
3: No, I am good and now I have other things I need to do. Sorry. <laughs>
2: Okay. Uh, You can uh, mute yourself, or you can just get off the line if you want, and I will uh, start the music for the end of the program, and I will call you back as soon as I am out of here.
3: Okay. Good
2: night. (laughs) Good night? What are you talking about? I'll call you in a minute. Well,
3: the
2: listening
3: audience, good night. (laughs) Oh, yeah.
2: Good. All right. All right. Take care, everyone. God bless. We'll be back on tomorrow with the last part of chapter thirteen of the Holy Bible, <laughs> talking about the reformers, and then uh, we'll just see you tomorrow. Thank you for listening. We'll be on at eight p.m. By hey, now. bye.